Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that through everything and by everything that we do say and today speak about, you will receive the glory, all the honor, all the praise through Jesus Christ's mighty name. We thank you for the word of God, quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword that is at work within us and achieving those things in our lives, transforming us into the image of Christ the Lord in whom we have faith unto the salvation of our souls. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Give the Lord a praise offering as you sit down. Good morning, everybody. Great things happening these days at Little Falls. Now, Sunday nights will never be the same again. You know, we spend a lot of time on a Sunday night and we minister absolutely everybody that wants prayer on a Sunday uh, can also receive that prayer on a Sunday because, you know, you'll, if you come, you'll see why and uh, how we do it. And I've got a whole team, an army of pastoral prayer warriors, including myself, we pray just for anything anybody wants to pray, and the Spirit is moving. We have got the time on a Sunday night. I preach 10 minutes, and then thereafter we go straight into the Spirit. We worship God, and from there the Spirit of God flows. Sunday nights are now revival nights. You should take note of that, because if you are of the custom and you are of the belief, well, you know, I'll just watch over the Internet. The Internet is not the church. Amen? Well, you know, I'll just watch a few sermons out there on television. The television is not the church either. It cannot counsel you. It cannot arrange for funerals, for holy matrimony, for marriage ceremonies. It cannot counsel you. It cannot go in and visit you in a hospital and pray for you. Those people out there preaching over the television, I don't know to whom they're preaching. They're preaching to the converted. But you are the children of God. Now, I'm just watching this video, and I've got that video, and another video, and this one says, and that one says. Do you know videos are not the church? I said video is not. The church of Christ is together in the house of the Lord on Sundays. Around the world, the church of God is a body. It's a living body that is there to bless everyone who believes. And we practice our faith by going to church on a Sunday, not just television or the internet or watching little videos. Can you say amen? amen. Is that serious enough? Well, okay. Let's just talk now about what we're talking about. And this day, I'm going to take you into the city of Rome to quickly show you what it looked like. And these are 3D reconstructions of the city of Rome at the time of Christ and what it looked like when Paul the Apostle arrived there. This is the site of the city. Now we can go to the next image. This place here is called the Mamertine Prison. And if you look right in the center, there's like a little, a little, you know, some stones higher, a hole in the ground. But against the wall, particularly on the left side, right under that, uh, that plaque that is on the wall, those were the places where both Paul and Peter were chained and spent their last moments even together as they awaited death under Nero, the emperor who is now in hell because of what he did, killing two, murdering two 
of the most powerful men of God of the time. It didn't stop the gospel. Nothing can stop the gospel. Jesus Christ is Lord over this planet. This kingdom of God shall be preached to all the parts of the earth, then the end will come. So here is a hole in the ground. They said that there is, in fact, there is a spring there. And it said that Peter and Paul that were there, that actually there were people baptized there at the time. They were, you know, they were chained to the wall, but they had their thing. And from there, Paul would depart on the road to Ostia, where he would then ultimately be murdered. He was de decapitated. Peter was hung or, yes, crucified upside down. If you look at the next image quickly, we see that there. There you see a plaque against the wall. Now, of course, modern churches can't help themselves but to build things and to, to decorate things and do all things that were not there before. You know, like this whole thing here. Now you lose the value of where Paul and Peter spent their final moments before being murdered by the Emperor Nero. If you look at the next, we have a quick overview now of the city of Rome. And uh, let's just spend one minute on that and then I get into this thing. Okay, Philip, play that video, please. it looked like they were well organized they were a society that was the capital city of the world at the time these days people still go around and say it's the eternal city it's not at all the eternal city Jerusalem is and we know that also but you know I want to take you on a journey into the book of the Romans and what Paul said through uh, his letter his final letter that was written was written for the people of Rome Actually, not after that, there were still the prison letters because having been put in prison, Paul was now writing letters. And among those letters were letters to Timothy. There were letters that went out there, the so-called prison letters of Paul that make a part of these Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and of course the book of uh, uh, Titus, books that, that Paul the Apostle wrote from prison. He was industrious in that prison. But in three months out there in Corinth, he wrote towards prison, I mean, the, uh, towards Rome, where he would ultimately uh, also be captured, having gone through three of his missionary journeys, go back to Jerusalem, be arrested, captured, and then sent to Rome. Here in Rome, he awaited his final death. First, there was house arrest, and then after a while, he was let loose, 
only again to be recaptured and decapitated on the road to Ostia. An amazing man, the Apostle Paul. In my opinion, one of the greatest men of the Bible. Uh, I'm not talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of Jesus, two men stand out to me as extremely clever, extremely educated and and intelligent they had to be. The one is called Moses, the other one is called Paul. When Paul writes, even Peter says, it's difficult to understand all of these things. And if you look at the book of Romans, it's the greatest exposition. Let me put it to you this way. Sounds a bit um, academical, but it's not really, because it's considered to be the greatest exposition of how to live the Christian life, the doctrine, the philosophy, the theology of Christianity of anywhere else in the Bible. This is how the Christians had to behave, and they did in accordance with this book of Romans. At the day of Pentecost, there were some Romans that people from Rome, from the Roman Empire, from Rome itself, that were at Pentecost. These went back to Rome, and Christianity began to spread in Rome. So Paul says, I've heard of your faith, that it's mentioned throughout all the world. They were well known. There was a score of Christians actually in Rome itself. By the time Paul arrived, he entertained many of those that came to see him in Rome while under house arrest, and then he spent his time, then of course, writing the books. It took him three months in the city of Corinth to conclude the book of the Romans. An outstanding piece of work, stunning by every measure. I fasted about this for some period of time uh, in the days of my own. And I said, Lord, what is the revelation of Paul? What is he telling us as believers? People say, I know my Bible, but do they? Do they really know their Bible? Do they really know particularly this book? Because it formed the foundation of Christianity for the whole period until the Edict of Constantine. And thereafter, this is the most important of these letters on Christian conduct, morality, and everything. Who is Christ? What did he do? Why did he do it? What was the result of what he did? The whole story unfolds here in the book of, of, of Romans. As Paul says these words, he says, now I'm just going to go much by memory, and, um, and here and there I might read a little bit because of the fact that I have time that is so extremely limited to cover this. But in chapter 1, he immediately begins to talk about the fact that Christ has been declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. In Romans chapter number 1, he focuses and he says, I desire to come to you. Hitherto I have not been able to get there, but I want to share with you some spiritual gift. A gift is always something that God gives. And you know, there are many gifts in the body of Christ, as we read in Romans chapter number 12, gifts differing, brethren. And so as we receive gifts, let us use them. If prophecy, by and according to the measure of faith. So for us as Christians, if 300 years worth of Christianity wanted to know what goes on in this book, namely the book of Romans, what is here that makes this book so powerful, this book. And uh, what did they do? What did they, their whole conduct, the whole Christian conduct of 300 years of the early church out of that book. And then all the other books dovetail into it as Paul wrote. It's important for you to understand. What did he say? 
what he begins to say in those, those sentences concerning Jesus Christ being declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. And then he says these words, for I'm not ashamed, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto Salvation. Salvation is the all-incorporate word, word that takes you out of any difficulty in this life. Jesus can save your marriage. Jesus can save you and heal you. Jesus can save you in the storm. Jesus is your life. He's your future. So he goes on and he says these words, you know, to the Jews and the Gentiles, to the wise and the unwise, the Romans and the Greek, the, the barbarians or the Gentiles, and those who are wise, those who have been saved, even those who are of the Jewish community. I am a debtor, he says, for as much as is in me, I am willing and ready to preach. Question to generations of people, generations of people that we've said all along, come to Bible school. No, there's like with television and little videos and things that float around. They don't come to the place where they get filled with this word. So what does Paul say? He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation is so powerful. I want to be saved on a daily basis from the attacks of the enemy. I want to be saved. You see, it is so that even if a person is in prison like Paul, did you ever think about it? The most powerful men of God were all kept in prison. Did you know that? Do you know that Joseph was in prison? He was a type of Christ. And from the prison, he got the elevation and the promotion to become second in charge of all Egypt, like the prime minister or the president, whatever you want, in terms of modern theology, theology or, or expressionism. Did you know that Samson was kept in prison and he brought the whole house down in the process? Did you know that Daniel was in prison and his prison was a lion's den? And so were these friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were kept in prison. And they were arrested. Did you know that Jeremiah was in jail? Do you know how many prophets the Bible tells you that were all in prison? Jesus of Nazareth was also kept in prison. We went to visit that last prison right next to the palace of Herod by the walls of Jerusalem. You have the stairway going down to the place where they kept Jesus just before he appeared before Herod. Did you know that Peter, James, and John, when Peter and John went up to the, to the mount through the Golden Gate, he went up there, that Peter himself and, and John were arrested and kept in prison. Do you know that Peter in Acts chapter 12 was also kept in prison? Do you know that Paul the Apostle was in prison in Philippi and again in Rome? The most powerful men of God had to flee for their lives were persecuted, even Moses. They wanted to arrest him, but he escaped that arrest and he came back as a man of God. He left there as an ordinary man. He came back in the supernatural power of God. This book of Romans, therefore God says these words from Romans 1 verse 18, he says, therefore the wrath of God is released from heaven. 
on all those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what is known of God, God made it plain and simple to them by the whole of creation that testifies of His glory and His greatness by the works that He has done. But then goes on and talks about the immorality of men and women, like in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, in the rest of chapter 1 from verse number 18 and onwards. He talks about that. And that the unrighteousness of God, of, of, of man, that God through His righteousness will judge the unrighteousness of man. But in Romans chapter number 2, he goes on and suddenly he switches. He begins to talk. He says, you Jews, now he's talking about the Jews. You that, you that judge one another, you that judges another, you're without excuse because in what you are judging another, you're guilty of the same. Paul systematically dismantles these people that believe in God that said, well, you know what? If I do the works of the law, if I perform the works of the law, you know, if you work for something, you get a salary, you get a wage. There's an expectation. But you know, those 613 laws of Moses, the Bible also says in the book of James that if you come short, it falls short in one, you fall short in everything. So that by the works of the law, no man can be saved. Where is boasting then? Well, you know, I've done all of this. I've done all these rituals, all these commands. I've, you know, I've, I'm very faithful in, in, in all, like those two people that came there and stood in the temple that one was saying, well, you know what? I tithe. I, I, you know, I regularly come to the house of God. I this, I that. And then there's the old beggar that just slammed on his chest, that beat on his chest. And he said, God, forgive me. I'm just a sinner. And he got the victory through that. And Jesus himself tells the story. Well, the Messiah begins to move on Paul. And in Romans chapter number three, he begins to, after dismantling the Jewish community and telling them that the righteousness, which is of the works of the law, if then the works of the law were sufficient, then if you try to obtain your righteousness through the works of the law and all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You try that, you will come short because all men, nobody was ever able to fulfill all the law, the law, those 613 laws of Moses. They couldn't do that. And says, if any man be, you know, if, if, we, could, if we could achieve righteousness through the works of the law, then Christ himself would have died in vain. But Christ had to come to fulfill the law and then offer himself on the cross to the world so that God so loved the world may be fulfilled that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but receive everlasting life. I have not come to destroy the law. I have come to fulfill the law. So now, with all of that being said, if you go to Romans chapter above all, maybe here I can read one or two things here because my time is limited. But what shall we say then? Chapter before, verse number one, that Abraham, our forefather, our forefather, humanly speaking, has found. He's obtained, has he obtained a favored standing? For if Abraham was justified, I'm reading from the New Amplified Bible. If Abraham was justified, that he's acquitted from the guilt of his sins by works, labor, 
rule upon rule, line upon line, here a little, there a little, traditions, customs. If he's acquitted from the guilt of his sins by works, those things that he did were good. He has something to boast about, but not before God. Now here is the most important part. This chapter is like a spiritual atom bomb. Chapter number four of the book of Romans. Woo, there's some stuff in here. If you look at verse number five, it says, but to the one who does not work, that is the one who does not try to earn his salvation by doing good, but believes and completely trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accredited. Faith, everybody say faith. His faith, central to everything, is accredited to him as righteousness. For in the previous chapter, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, Paul says these words, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But everybody, both the Jews and the Gentiles, their mouth is an open grave. It's like there's nothing going on there. By works, no man can get to God. God came down from heaven to save us, to pave the way that through faith in Jesus Christ, in Him and by no other name, a man can be saved because Christ has done the works for us. Then He died on the cross. But let's go a little bit further. I don't want to go ahead of myself. My time is, as I say, limited here. Now, uh, if we look uh, at verse number 12 of this book of Romans chapter number 4, verse 12, 4 and 12, it says these, these words. It talks about Abraham and says, now, let me explain this to you. Maybe I should just explain it to you because that goes quicker. If he was circumcised before, Genesis 15 and 6, Abraham believed in God and it was accounted unto him, accredited unto him as, as righteousness. He believed in God. Then God went into a covenant with Abraham and we read all about it in Genesis 15. There's a massive covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. If you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and joint heirs according to the promise. We're all Abraham's seed through faith. Our father, according to the flesh, Romans 4 and 1, is Abraham. And it's called exactly like that all the time in that chapter. You find out that after believing and after his salvation, after his justification, after his sanctification, after God even entered into a covenant with him, then only did he receive the mark of circumcision of the flesh the mark of the covenant. But then also, this was some 430 years before the law. So Abraham didn't have the law, didn't even know what was going on concerning those days because God would appear to Moses on the mountain, give him the law and all of those decrees and commandments that man had to hold and uphold as far as possible, but they couldn't. Therefore, there was a whole sacrificial system. There was the laws of Moses. There was the sacrificial system. There were the priests. There were the, 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 the tabernacle where they could come and offer up constant sacrifices called sin offerings, among other things, and various other offerings. It did not it was not possible, even the high priest, once a year had to do offerings for himself on the day of atonement, the Yom Kippur. 
You know, they just couldn't maintain that. Christ said from a Rome, uh, uh, Genesis, um, sorry, Matthew chapter number five and on, he begins to say, I've not come to destroy the law, I've come to fulfill it. So then it says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through faith in him. Because the works that people try to do, the customs, the traditions. You've seen those pictures in Rome, how they now put things there on the wall and doll up the whole place. You go through Israel and many of those sites, in fact, the majority of those sites, all of them been dolled up and put various churches, put all sorts of things, mostly distracting. If you just see it like it is, if you could just get the picture like it really is, they build buildings over places that are holy and they keep it there. And then you have all these rituals and customs, none of which can save you. Therefore, Paul says, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. But now the righteousness of God from heaven is revealed by what? By the law of faith. And so Paul goes on and he begins to write about Abraham, our father, according to the faith, I tell you what, this is just, if I look at this here in verse 18, 17, 16, he says, the Gentile believers also share the faith of Abraham, who is the spiritual father of us all. Abraham, who is the spiritual father of us all. They're from the Amplified Bible in verse number 16 of Romans chapter before. Now, I want to tell you something which I, you know, in studying all of these letters, there's so, so much to tell you. But in studying it all, I noticed one thing. It's either, it's either the saints, the believers of the kingdom of God in these New Testament letters, or it's the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles have a way of conduct. But if you come into the kingdom of God, there's got to be a change of that conduct. Because you cannot do what the Gentiles do. So if you're a Gentile, you're basically unsaved. But if you are in Christ Jesus, you become the seed of Abraham. And then you're saved, and then you're on your way to heaven. So the rest of your days, like he says in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed. I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you not be conformed to this world, but renewed by the, by the renewing, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. So, we have to renew our mind, James 1, 17 to 21, by the Word of God. It is a matter of we've got to receive with meekness the engrafted Word to the salvation of our souls and by the renewing of our minds, a new way of living, a new way of doing things, it's altogether different. These people, even before Paul met them, had read what he wrote from Corinth and he began to bring out here a systematic layout of Christianity like I've never found in Scripture. But moreover, I want to move on from 4 to 5 where he talks about the fact that now that we're justified by faith, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we now have peace with God. We have confidence. We can come to the throne room of grace confidently because of that. Also in the book of Hebrews, you find those words. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace.
in chapter number 5. He begins to compare the first and the last Adam from verse number 12 and onwards. And chapter number 6 now becomes very important to us as Christians because we know that we can't earn our salvation through faith. I mean, let me put that again, through works. We can't perform. There are people that believe that if they go from house to house, they part of the 144,000 to start with the doctrine is skew. Because the 144,000 of Revelation chapter number 17, chapter number 7 is the 144,000. And again in chapter number 14 of the book of Revelation. Those people there are from the 12 tribes of Israel. They're not from the Gentile world. So walking from house to house and trying to get salvation by works won't bring you salvation. And the mark of eternity and your name written in the book of life. I tell you what, it's one thing. Repentance of dead works, Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1, and faith towards God. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of baptisms. A lot of people don't go through the baptismal pool and it's like they leave Egypt open behind them because there's more than that. In the baptismal pool, we die. So in Romans chapter 6, shall we sin then? Then Paul says, Indeed, surely not. We shall not sin. He says, no, you're not. That as many of you that were baptized into Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, were baptized into His death. That just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should live in the glory of the Father. Chapter 7 of Romans, and serve Him in the newness of the Spirit. It is an amazing, amazing statement that if we are baptized together with Christ, knowing this, that our old man has been crucified. You know what? It says, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says these words. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I live no more. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Galatians six fourteen. For me, that's needless any reason to boast because by works you cannot boast. It's only your faith. And you have all the time of life to strengthen yourself in the faith. Can you say amen? Are you all still with me this morning? Tell anybody to talk about the book of Romans in one session. Mort says don't. I can, chapter for chapter. No problem with that. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Baptized into his death. I've been crucified. Now baptism becomes a type of the grave. I follow Jesus through the baptism into his death. That just as he was raised, I'm raised out of the baptismal pool to step into the newness of life. And that's where this ministry was born for me. I came to the West Rand. Being a traditional Christian, thinking everything's fine, even on the church board, deacon on the church board, the whole bit, Sunday school teacher, the whole thing. But one day, I had a meeting with Christ the Lord. And one day, in that meeting, I got myself properly and thoroughly, properly and thoroughly, thoroughly saved. The reality of the truth, the reality of Jesus Christ the Lord hit me worse than an atom bomb. It floored me. From there, there was only one way to go, and that is through that baptismal pool. Never realizing what would happen. But I came out of that baptismal pool. I was talking in tongues, I tell you now. 
From there, God filled me with the Spirit in this church. Out of that was born. I just wanted to preach immediately. Because you bury your old sin nature. You die. And once you're dead, you have to be raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. In Romans chapter 6, read those first verses there. Oh, that I could quote you much more. But I say to you, that if you haven't even been baptized, you've never put the final nail in the coffin of your sin nature. Never. And baptize. All right. If you can, follow me on the camera. If you can't, then so be it. All right. Here's a sail here that stops me. And the water's warm. That gives me a key for tonight. My goodness. I was wondering about the water. Baptize means to dip under the water. Boots and all. If you need to, wear boots. Lock, stock, and barrel. The old man goes into that grave. And so you go in and you come out. You're all wet. But the new life in Jesus Christ begins. Now, you know, uh, I'll spend two more minutes. Paul says these words in Romans 7. He says, you know what? He says, that which I want to do, I don't do. And if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who does it, but it's the sin nature that works within me. For I know that within me, to will, to do good, that is there. But to do good, I find not. Then he becomes to a point, he gets to a point where he says, You know, O wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body of sin? It's crucified, I die daily. It's buried in the pool of the baptismal pool. I live on. The sin nature is there, always wanting to wage a law. Romans 8, 7, chapter number 7, last verses. Waging a war against the law of my mind. This, this new law of, 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 I want to do good, but I do not find that. I need to follow the Holy Spirit because, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who walk accord, according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. No condemnation. If you believe in Jesus Christ with repentance and baptism of your soul, know that eternal judgment changes into the judgment seat of Christ for all believers and we will then be judged according to our works. But if a man's works fail, he shall still be saved because of his faith, because he believed in Jesus. Even if he did very little, he believed in Jesus unto the salvation of his soul. And so he will go into the eternal glory with God the Almighty. The fundamental thing in this place is a thing called faith. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And what then about this sin nature? Romans 8.30, and I'm glad you're asking this question, but go read that. Romans 8, that's the second at the bomb of that book. Ooh, I tell you, man, I wish I could have you here till tonight. 
We take it verse by verse all the way through. But here it is. He says, if you by the Spirit put to death, mortify. How? By the Spirit. Everybody say by the Spirit. Everybody say by the Holy Spirit. The indwelling Holy Spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh you live. No compromise. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Godhead is with us all the time. The Spirit of faith in Christ Jesus is with us. And if you believe, you will be saved. Would you please bow your heads, everybody in this place? Nobody look around. I want you to seriously consider your life. And if you're a believer, just pray for the people around you. If you know that you're saved, just pray for everybody in this place. Because there is a road to walk. It's called the road of glory. It's called the road of eternal life. If you come into this place and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, back again to the book of Romans, chapter number 10, Paul then says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and with a heart man believes unto righteousness. You have to do that. You have to say, Lord, I give my life to you. You have to be ready and very ready to say, I'm tired of this old sinful life. Maybe you've been a Christian, but you've been nominal in name only and you're not really serving God at all like you should at all. You're playing church. You're playing. Maybe you might as well in such a case watch the videos. Maybe a video can save you. It cannot. Because that's not the church. <laughs> and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus now. Take you back to my own life. When I had this call and somebody said, how many of you and who of you want Jesus in your life? I said, yes, Lord, here am I. And I was weeping like a baby and I came forward in the church and I was there and I said, Lord, I'm here and I thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. If you say, I'm backslidden, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. Or if you say, you know what, pastor, I'm persuaded about Jesus Christ. I want to just make a proper commitment to him. Would you please just raise your hand for me? Let me see your hands and I'll pray for you quickly. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Anybody else here? Just raise your hand. Don't go out of this church today without totally committing your life to Jesus Christ the Lord. For the last time this morning, as that jy is and jy voel, jy moet nou terugkeer na die Heere. And if you feel it's time to dedicate properly to the Lord. If you want to do it today, raise that hand unashamedly before the Lord while every head is bowed in this place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you've raised your hand, please, will you come to me now? I want to pray for you right here. Just walk out to me. Yeah. Just come, come to me. Somebody over there, you raise your hand. Come to me. Just come walking to me. Just come here. Young man, life changes altogether. Like God changed my life, he'll change your life. You understand that? Because you've achieved a couple of things in life. You've had a very good history, actually, in terms of achieving things. Yet you've not really achieved what God the Almighty has said and spoken to you. And now the Lord will transform you and he will change your whole mind. For this book, this book will come into your life like thunder, like lightning, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with full persuasion, and then you'll be changed.
and you start bearing fruit because you'll be judged according to the fruit. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This man here, quite a number of financial setbacks in your life already. But now it's time to advance. From this day, the curse is lifted and the blessing is upon you. You will prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You have organized a lot of things for a lot of people. But now, in terms of that, God's going to reorganize your life. That's what's happening to you now. You know what I'm talking about. You've been very good at getting things done and organizing things and surviving when it was necessary. Under whatever means that came up into your mind, but now you receive the mind of Christ as you come into Christ. You understand that? As for you, sir, the road is long and the road has been long. You must be close to my age. What are you now? 73. 73. I'm 76 years young. <laughs> and now... It is time for you to get your whole family committed to God. For up to a year, you were often disappointed in people in the family circles. Even other people, you always have this situation where people are just bugging you because they don't come right. But now the Lord says, I'm changing that because you will become the hub. You will become the hub and the whole family will rotate around you and listen to you for once. And you, lady, there's more than just salvation. There's also physical problems. And you know that God said these words. He said, I love the verse where he says, Ezekiel 16, 6, I saw you struggling in your blood, and I said unto you, live. The imbalances, the pains that come into your body, and sometimes... You find your energy completely. It's like it's drained away. New life flows upon your soul this day. Raise your hands towards them, please. And say these words aloud. Raise your hands to the Lord. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and His Lordship over my life. And, my, and I believe that God the Father has raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore, I am saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wash me in your blood. I repent of sin. This day, I commit myself to you to read the Bible, to pray, to obey. Write my name in the book of life of the Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say amen. Can I ask these people for a moment, just stand one side. I want to do another similar thing. Would you just stand over there and follow that pastor for me? Everybody bow your heads. Nobody move right now. Hier sit jou werkelijk waar mense hier, wat christene is, wat Heere nie gevolg het. Ek sê weer, die Heere, Jesus, nie gevolg het dier die doobad, soos hy self in die Jordaan rivier, en ons was daar 32 keer, Dat hy self daar gedoop is, ordentlik gedoop is, soos die Grieks ook sê, baptizo, to immerse, submerse, under the water. And then the Spirit of God came upon him, like a dove. And you've never put to death, finally, finally buried your sin nature, that just as Christ was raised by, from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you could live. Now you say to me this morning, Pastor, I want everybody to stand for a moment. Just stand for me, Wimlach. Because this is where God knows we have to deal with the truth. Everybody stand, but everybody. 
If you're in this place today, I'm just a servant of God. This word of God has filled me the nights I passed through with the scriptures rolling through. If you have not been baptized underwater properly, buried your sin nature, and you have never allowed that to happen to you, and now Egypt is open, Pharaoh and his chariots. You need to be baptized like they were all baptized into Moses, 1 Corinthians 10. You need to follow your Savior's example. And you need to be baptized if you have been baptized. And only those. But I mean only those who have been baptized. You alone. Nobody else. The rest must remain seated. If you've been baptized, sit down please. Thank you very much. And the rest remain standing. Still stand. Those that are standing right now, come to me please. Come to me. Please just walk to me. This is it. This is where life changes Man, and I want to tell you that a change in my life for the good. That's why I'm here on this platform. I was paralyzed until I was baptized. I believed as a Christian. I was on the church board, the whole thing. But I was paralyzed. And I knew not all of scriptures. As I now can say ashamedly in those days. That you're one of those that akin may Bible. But then you find that, that you actually didn't know the Bible. And so... Here you stand this morning. It's a point of decision. It's a, it's a point of glory. It's a point of glory. It's a point of dealing with your sin nature, putting it under the water and dying to the past. Now life begins. I was saved, but I was not baptized. I couldn't get traction in my life until I went and I surrendered myself to God. Look at this, all of these people in the front. I wonder if there are any cell leaders that can help me. George, all the pastors, please come and just let cell leaders or... Okay, all right. My wife has just told me what to do and that's a good thing that she said that I must do. That's wisdom. That's good. Take your leister over your vrouw. And as you feel vrouw leister, but as you Engels. As you Afrikaans, as you feel vrouw luister, krijg je nou en dan krijg chocolate cook. <laughs> Amen? This is the most serious moment of your life. It's a confrontation. Now you choose to die. That old man's got to be left behind. You want victory? Now it's the way of the Spirit. Now we serve God in the newness of the Spirit. Dier die Heilige Gees, bring ons, maak ons dood die werke vir die vlees. By your prayer life, by your devotion, by the intake of the Word of God, everything changes. Now, all of you here, tonight, that pool is heated. I didn't even know that, but now I know it's for you. I was wondering this week about that. When I go into these scriptures, I thought, did I tell no one to home, did not wait to do. Tonight, come here with a towel and a second clothing set, and we'll call you out, and you can follow Jesus Christ the Lord. Nets was your hearer. You leave it behind. And you follow the Lord Jesus through the baptismal pool. The water is ready. The baptizers are in this building. And we will help you. And let me tell you something. I've seen people, you know, even people that were in bondage got set free. Very much in bondage.
very much in bondage. I remember those people there, Arthur Africa and people out there towards Ennerdale in the south of Johannesburg. He says, those people that were demonized with witchcraft, those demons started speaking up and said, no, 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 no. And then they baptized and that thing, it was gone. They were delivered from bondage. And they were now effectively full-blooded Christians filled with the Holy Spirit and the life of God. You want to be blessed? Then this is the act of obedience. God bless you. Is there anything else you think? If you want to have any questions, this good-looking young man, he's only about 21 years of age. He's called George. And there's Turin is there. There's his Turin. He's the man with the eternal smile. He's always smiling. And Rudolf, there's another man there. Talk to these three pastors for the arrangements, a towel, extra set of clothing, confinant. You leave your sin nature. For once, you disempower it. And you come to the place where you're following the Holy Spirit. And you're growing the wood. Can you all say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise offering. you. Everybody stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up His countenance over you, be gracious to you, and give you eternal peace. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.